Good evening. Hope you are all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Yevamos. We're at the bottom, or I should say halfway down on Gimel Amud Aleph. And we'll be learning the rest of Daf Gimel and as well Daf Dal Amud Aleph. Um, a, a manageable blot, uh, relatively, I, I don't have much to compare to, but as it relates to Yevamos, it's uh, one that we could actually learn. And the Gemara actually, <laughs> sorry, is that rude? <laughs> I do love Hashem very much, that's true. So, uh, <laughs> Can I tell you something? I didn't even know I said it until someone laughed. I'm like, what did I just say? Okay, so uh, we're starting. I'll just put this one case up here that you can see. It's the case that we started with yesterday, where Reuven and Shimon are brothers. And um, and what is this? What's the case here? That Shimon's daughter is Chana. Reuven has two wives, Chana and Penina. And Penina is the Tsara. So our Mishnah has a very weird language that the Tsaros are Peturos. And that is where we are going to start with, uh, with tonight. We're again a little bit more than halfway down on Gimel Amaral. Says the Gemara, my ear you the Tana Potros. Why would you say that the Tara that, that the Tsara, that in this case Penina, why would you say that she's Petura? Litany Osros. We should say that it's it's Osir. Petura sounds like you can, and if you okay, no big deal. But it's usher. It's usher to be with her. She's a tzara. There's no yibum, no chalitza. You're not allowed to be with her. Why doesn't it say asuros? And says the Gemara, we can't because itana <coughs> osros. Had our Mishnah said that the tzara, that Penina in our case was osros, then havamina asher liyabe maval michlatz chalta. We would have said that maybe we could uh, distinguish and separate out the mitzvah of yibum and the mitzvah of chalitza, and we would say that maybe, okay, I understand that maybe it's usher to do yibum, but maybe she could do chalitza, and therefore kamash malam. Says the Gemara, that doesn't answer all the questions as to why we say potros. The litany, the litany, just say what you want to say, asura lachlots. If your concern was about chalitza, then just talk about the chalitza piece. And just say asura lachlots for the tzara. So says the Gemara, uh, you can't really say asur and lachlos. It's not asur to do chalitza. After all, my COVID, what's asur about doing chalitza? It's not like yibum where you're going to be intimate with her. That's a whole different, a whole different story. Chalitza, she takes off the shoe, she spits on the whole thing's over. Why, why, what's the big deal? So says the Gemara, Alamalo, why are you saying that there's no halachic problem? Im Omer, Im Omer says, if we would have said she can do chalitza, we would have made an error and assumed that Misya Bemes, that maybe there's also Yibum, and therefore we should, we should have a stronger language. Either way, the Gemara says that really what's going on in our Mishnah, and the reason why we have this language of potros by the Tzara, by Penina, is because Kevan de Mitzvah Asura the only time that Penina is Aser to Shimon is when, when the other wife is Shimon's daughter, in which case there's an Iser Erva for him to marry his daughter, and therefore the Tzara is going to be Aser. However, the Shalobimako Mitzvah, Sharia, but it would be at times permissible to marry Penina. How could that be? Well, it could be that Ruvain's two wives were two women that were not related to Shimon. It could have been Penina and... Uh, and the Chana, a different Chana, Penina and another Chana, Chana Schwartzberg, a different one, not the one that's Shimon's daughter. And if that's true, then technically Yibum can apply to both of those wives. And therefore, Mishum Hachi Tani Potros. So the reason why in our Mishnah it says that the Tsaros are Potros, why the, why the second wife, the wife who's actually not related to Shimon, the reason why we say the language of Potros is because sometimes it's mutter for Yibum to take place with the Tsara and sometimes not. We didn't want to be categorical about it. The Gemara doesn't ask this question. Why didn't the Mishnah just say that? <laughs> just say, it depends. We've had Mishnahites that do that before the Gemara doesn't discuss that. Umay Iria, why then does... I'm sorry, I don't hear this. Sure. Which case? The moment. The case that... Um, 
But when, how could when a tsar is allowed to be married? So let's say that you have Ruvain and Shimon, and Ruvain is married to uh, to two women who are completely unrelated to his family, completely unrelated, not related to him, not related to Shimon. So, and then and then Ruvain dies. Shimon has a mitzvah of yibum with both of those women. Right. So that's a case of where there's a tsara, there's a second wife who's allowed to have yibum done. That's not the case that our Mishnah was dealing with. Our Mishnah was dealing with where the first wife of Reuben was Shimon's daughter, so Shimon cannot marry his daughter in Yibum. So therefore, that's not allowed. Then the Gemara asks on our Mishnah, we had said a strange language that uh, it was min ha-chalitza u min ha-yibum. Says the Gemara, umay irya, 10 lines from the bottom of Gimel Amaralaf, umay irya datani min ha-chalitza min ha-yibum. Why does it say that? Listening min ha-yibum lichudei. We only should have said yibum. We know one, one applies to the other. Says the Gemara, it's not always so simple to assume that. Itana min hayibum, havamina mechlatz chalza, yivum elomiyabma. I might have thought that if it only would have said yibum, so then I might have thought that maybe chalitza, that, uh, that chalitza is allowed and yibum is not allowed. Kamash malan, what do we learn from the fact that it says both chalitza and yibum? We learn the following principle. Kol ole le yibum, ole le chalitza. Anyone who's shaykh to the mitzvah of yibum is by definition shaykh to the mitzvah of chalitza. And as well, the inverse, v'chol she'eno ole le yibum, someone who is not shaykh by the world of yibum, eno ole le chalitza. He's also not shaykh to do chalitza. Says the Gemara, fine, I understand now you need to list both Chalitza and Yibum, but why did you list Chalitza first? Says the Gemara, say it in the right order. Even the Pesukim and Chumash that we saw yesterday, the Pasuk speaks, speaks first about Yibum, and then, okay, if he forgives, and then they go to Asha'ara, they go to the Bezdin, fine, say it the right way. So then the Gemara says, Inami, another possibility is say, or only speak about Chalitza, because there, we would then be able to reverse engineer our understanding of Yibum with, with no concerns. So says the Gemara, the reason why it says Chalitza before Yibum is because the author of our Mishnah is Abba Shaohi. What does he hold? De Amar, mitzvah Chalitza kodemes le mitzvah Yibum. The mitzvah of Chalitza is actually preferred over the mitzvah of Yibum. A little bit strange. Because when you learn the Pesukim and Chumash, you would not have thought so. So now let's take a look at a, at a scary Rashi about the mitzvah of Yibum. Rashi is two lines from the bottom of the page. And what does it say? It's a parak later in the, in the Gemara. We'll learn in this ishus. A man who marries his Yavama, so his brother's wife after his brother died, who marries his Yavana because she's beautiful, or to be married for the wrong reasons. What does Lishum Ishus mean? That requires uh, some, some commentary. It says, if you are involved with an erva, and listen to this, that is a very powerful, provocative language, is that if a person is going into Yibum for the wrong reasons, it is karov be'enai lihios havlad mamzer. So therefore, Abishal was of the opinion that chalitza is actually preferred over Yibum. And therefore, our Mishnah said chalitza before it says Yibum. Tos was here on the side. The last Tos was says, the mitzvah chalitza kodemes. And just look at the last line. Aval ilo havatani ela chalitza lechuda lo I wouldn't have had anywhere to infer this idea from without saying both the words chalitza and Yibum in the order of chalitza first and only Yibum second. So this is a very, uh, very important principle when it comes to Yibum, is that yes, it is a mitzvah doraisa, and we still should pick the other counterpart of Chalitza. So that's, uh, I just heard a Misa just now, Rabbi Michelle told me a crazy story. Crazy. Rabbi um, Rosen, uh, Yodi Rosen told me the story. He said that there was a young couple just got married. Nebuch story. They got in a car accident. The husband was 
life on life support, basically. He was alive, but he was going to die in the next few hours. And he had a brother who was in the gulag, like before the wall, before the curtain came down. He was in prison in, um, just a crazy Misa, in prison. But in theory, the halachos of Yibum would apply. And because of Zikas Yibum, because of the tethered connection between the brother in the gulag and the wife who will now be subject to Yibum, she can't get married until there's Chalitza. She'd be trapped, but he's in the gulag. What should we do? What's the gulag? He's in prison in, uh, in Russia. He's totally... Uh, this is not yesterday. This is like this a long time ago. This is 50, 40 years ago, whatever the case, a long time ago. So she's stuck. So she's stuck. So what's the Eitzah? So one Eitzah is that they should get divorced. Because if you get divorced, then there's no yibum. The problem was that all the, you have to get the right document. It's on parchment, dayanam, very complicated, didn't have time. So they went to Rabbi Yashif and they said, Rabbi Yashif, what should we do? He's about to die. And if he dies, she's going to be stuck to the brother who's in prison. And he's in prison. And until there's Chalitza, she's stuck. He said, what's the big deal? I don't understand. Go, go, get, uh, go get a family member of the guy in the gulag. Does he have any children? They said, yeah, yeah. The guy in, who's in prison has a daughter. He said, Givaldic, go tell the daughter to go into that hospital room and have the husband marry her right now. So here's what happened. This guy who's in bed, he walks over. The girl comes inside. Hello, deathbed. He says, Hands her a pencil. They're married. She's the daughter of the guy in prison. That's our case of Shimon and Chana. Exempted her from Yibum. It's crazy. It's an amazing story. It's Mamish, the first Mishnah in Yavamos. Halacha Lamaisa. Rabbi Yashiv didn't even dig deep. It's just basic Mishnayas. Yeah, guys, please. I'm a Ratzim. It's a Beis Amud Aleph in your bubbles. It's like the easiest Mishnah in the whole Masechta. Crazy Maisa. That's Chalitza is more important than Yibam. She got stuck. Great story. Anyways, uh, our Mishnah picks up on yet another concern. Our Gemara does. If you look back at our Mishnah, you would see in the beginning of our Mishnah, it says that there's 15 Nashim who are Erva. And then on Beis Amud Beis, toward the end of the Mishnah, it said... Uh, a repeated line, it says the same line twice that they're going to be putter. So the Gemara says, when we talk about these ervas in the beginning, what are we excluding? You could have just said the ervas without giving a framing about these are the women who are potros. Why did you have to say that? Just say, just write the cases. The fact that you said something means we have, we're exempting something. And it also said it at the end. So, so what then is the case there that is being excluded from our Mishnah? This brings us to the top. Of Gimel Amadez. So the Gemara says on the top of Gimel Amadez, case number one that we are excluding from our Mishnah is the case of Lemaute Dirav Udirav Asi. There are two cases, and we're going to learn in Rashi what those cases are. And if you need a visual, I have I drew them up here because I need the visuals for you almost. So what are the two cases of Rav and Ravasi? So take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Rav says that Tsaras Sota Asura. If the second wife is the Tsara of a Sota, so wife number one is a Sota. She was Bistira. She was alone with a man to the point that, uh, that we were concerned that she was Mizane. So then the Tsara Sota, Shi'im Zinsa Ishto. If wife number one was Mizane, she was an adulteress. Below, and he had an Isha Acheres, that's the Tsaras, that's the Tsaras Sota, the, the other wife, wife number two, who was not Mizana, and he, he has an Isha Acheres, Umeis Bilabanim, and then the husband dies, Shteim Turo. So that's this case over here, where Shteim are going to be Pater, it's called the, the case of the Tsaras Sota. What was the case of Ravasi? That's the second line of Rashi. The Ravasi Omar, 
Saras Islandis Asura, we have a case of an islandist. This is a case where a woman is not able to have children. And uh, the Rashi says that the Tsaras Islandis, the wife who is able to have children, that So these two cases, Rav and Ravasi are of the opinion that in the case of the Tsaras Sota and in the case of the Tsaras Islandis, that there is no Yibum in those cases. That's what they hold. Our Mishnah doesn't accept those cases. Our Mishnah rejects those cases to say, no, those cases actually do require Yibum. That's why they're excluded from our Mishnah. But Rav and Ravasi were of the opinion that they should be included in our Mishnah in that there is no Yibum. That's what the Gemara says. Says the Gemara, okay, fine, but according to Rav and Ravasi, who hold that the cases of the Tsaras Sota and the Tsaras Islandis are cases where there are Pturos from Yibum, that's great, but then what then were the exclusions to our Mishnah? That's just more of the same in our Mishnah. What cases would there be Yibum? So says the Gemara, it depends. We don't know if Rav and Ravasi agreed with each other. So the Gemara says two, two possibilities. If Rav agreed to Ravasi's case and Ravasi to Rav, so then what we would say is that there are two other cases where there would be Yibum. One case where one wife was underage, she was younger than 12, and another case where the other wife, was, I'm sorry, one case is where one wife was under 12 and the other was, a, was an adult. Another case where a husband divorces his wife, she marries another man, they get divorced, and then she comes back to this marriage again. So, what? You can't do that. Right, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's not allowed. But if that happens, would there be yibum in such a case? Be ilo, and if they don't agree with one another, if Rav and Ravasi don't agree, ilo then what would happen? Then one would exclude the case of his friend who he doesn't agree with to say that there would be yibum in that case. So Ravasi, for example, who holds of the case of Tsaras Islandis, would disagree with the case of Tsarasota to say there would be yibum. And what would the other exclusion be? And we would then include as the second exclusion from our Mishnah, um, one of the cases, either the case where a husband had two wives, one who was under 12 and one over 12, or the case of Tsaras Machser Grushaso, where someone remarries someone who they divorced. So a little subtle, but what the Gemara is doing is saying, hey, we have this exclusionary language. It says, whatever the language is, we say it twice. Why do we say it twice? Each one's to exclude a case and a couple of iterations of how that can be. So then the Gemara asked a great, a great question on Rav and Ravasi. See, Rav and Ravasi were of the opinion that their cases of Tsaras Sota and uh, the case of Tsaras Islandis were cases where there was no Yibum. So says the Gemara, Le Rav, Le Ravasi, if that's true, listen in who? Then why doesn't it include it in our Mishnah? Our Mishnah was only cases where there was an exemption from, from, from Yibum. That was how we started. The Pasuk in Chumash says Yibum. The first Mishnah says, yeah, but not here, not, not there, not here. Well, why did... If Rav and Ravasi are right about the Tsaras Sotan, about the Tsaras Islandists, why weren't they enlisted in our Mishnah as cases where there's no Yibum? So the Gemara says a very important principle. Because it doesn't check all the boxes. Our Mishnah's cases, of, of, uh, our Mishnah's cases where Yibum is exempt applies where there's a Tsara and that the status of the Tsara applies to the Tsaras Tsara. And that's not true in the cases of Rav and Ravasi, in the cases of Tsaras Sota and Tsaras Islands. How do we know that this is true? How do we know that what is true? Thank you very much to Rashi. Halfway down the page, Rashi says, Now we know that it's true because the Mishnah wrote it. 
What is our Mari Makam? We're about to learn uh, the next 30 lines or so, which is all one brysa. This brysa may well has, have been the precursor to our Mishnah. In fact, it seems quite implicit that way. You'll see kind of like the deeper thinking that will then lead straight into our Mishnah. Let's get started. Says the Gemara, eight lines down, nine lines down on Gimel of We know that these women will be, um, will be exempt from Yibum, the woman herself, the Erva, as well as the Tzara, as well as the Tzara, Tzara, and so forth and so on. We know that because of the following Pasuk. Isha elachosa losikach a woman and her sister should not be married to be tsuraros. They should not be married to be a wife who is a tsara, chana penina. They should not be married to the same person. Legalos ervasa, to reveal her erva, her nakedness, aleha, on her, very important word as we'll soon see, bechayeha, in her life. Now, what does the word aleha mean? Aleha, why does the word Torah use that word? Matamalomar. Well, lefishin ne'emar, because the Torah says, yavama yavo aleha, we might have thought that a person is obligated to marry his Yavama. Maybe we would assume that it's true no matter what, no matter who the Yavama is. So in our classical case, Shimon has a daughter named Chana. Shimon's brother Ruvain marries Chana. Ruvain dies. Okay, it's not socially acceptable, but a father should, in theory, have married his daughter because the Torah says, Yavama, Yavo Aleha. So says the Gemara, here's why we don't say that. Ne'amar kan aleha, the ne'amar lahalan aleha. We have the word aleha used in another place as well. Ma lahalan mitzvah. Just like in one place, it can only be used when it's b'makom mitzvah, and there's no mitzvah to marry a daughter, and it's in fact usher to marry a daughter. Afkan, so here in our case as well, b'makom mitzvah va'amarachman alosikach. And here the Torah says, you're not allowed to marry this person. So we have to try and keep things um, uh, uh, halachically, with, with halachic integrity. And the halachic integrity in a logical space first and foremost, would have seemed like he should marry his daughter, but only because the Torah says the word Aleha, do we not think that that's the case. We'll come back to this at the bottom of the page with an absolutely crazy halachic havamina. We'll get there soon. Third of the way down. I only know that the erva is the one who prevents the father from marrying his daughter or who, from, who prevents Shimon from marrying any of those 15 relatives listed in the Mishnah. So Rasami 9, how do we know about all of the pininas? How do we know about all of the second wives who really are not halachically related to that person. In our case, where Ruvain had two wives, the daughter of Shimon and Penina, okay, but Penina is really not related to Shimon. So why can't he marry her? So says the Gemara, Tsarasaminai, how do we know that the second wife, who really isn't related to Shimon, how would we know that they can't get married? Tamad Lomar, Litzror, because the, the Torah says, Litzror, it should be that when there's a Tsara, the Tsara is included in the fact that Yibum cannot take place. So because the woman, is uh, who Ruvain is married to is one of the 15 Arayos of Shimon. So not only can he not marry, marry that woman because she's an Arayos to him, but the Tzara, because the Torah says Litzror, the Tzara is also included in the exemption where there is no Yibum. So says the Gemara, I only know about Penina. What about a case of Tzaras Tzarasa? What about Penina who remarries and then there's another wife to another brother in the family? What about that case? Says the Gemara, same word. How do you make a drasha from the same word twice in a row? Very simple. We're not making a drasha on a word. We're making a drasha on a letter, an extra resh. It should have been below Litzur. What is the word that we've been using? Atzara. Do you see two reshes there? No, the Pasuk has two rishis to teach me that the Tzara Tzara is also going to forever be excluded from Yibu. Really, the Pasuk only talks about a sister 
uh, a sister who who is possibly subject to ibum that his, his let's say Chana Panina were sisters, so Chana was married to one person. How do we know to exempt her as well? So says the Gemara. That's only Achos Isha. What about all the other fourteen Arayos that are listed in our Mishnah? Sha'ar Arayos Minayim. How do we know? So the Gemara says because there's a common denominator to all of the Arayos. The Gemara says as follows. Amris, I'll tell you as follows. Ma Achos Isha. Just like the sister of the wife whose husband died. So let's say Ruvain, let's say Shimon was married to two, was married to, to Hana, and then he died, and then yeah, and then he dies, and then Ruvain would have married in theory the other sister, but that's not allowed. So Shara Rayos because Ma'achos Isha Miyuchedes, she's unique in what way? She's unique in that she erva. She's an erva. That if one were to have been intimate with this woman, a sister-in-law, if it was bizadon, if it was intentionally, the person would be chayev kares. And had it been done by accident, had they been intimate by accident, then it would be a chatas. And we know that this woman is asura liyavam because it's achos isha. So then says the Gemara, therefore, I now know the other 14 Arayos have the same parameters. What are they? Afkol, all cases of women who are begetter shehi erva, that they would have these consequences for intentionally being with them or accidentally. And therefore, that's how we know that, uh, that all of the other 14 ervas have a marimakam to forbid them from being uh, part of Yibum. I only know about them. How do we know what the other 14 ervos, with the other 14 arayos that Tzaros say in Minayin? How do we know that the Tzaros, we only know by Achosisha, because the Pesach says Litzror. But how do we know by the other 14? The word Litzror is only in one place. So says the Gemara, here too, we're going to use the rules of common denominators. Amris, here's what I'll tell you. Ma Achos Isha Meyuchades, what's unique about a woman and her sister? Shehi erva v'chayev, and azdona karas v'ashig gasachatas v'ashir liyabim v'tzarasa asura. Just like we know that by Achos Isha, that when a man dies, that his brother cannot marry the sister-in-law. We know that that's true. And we know that Yibum is Asr in that case, not only for the erva, but also for the tzara. Afkol, all who check off the following boxes have the same rules. Anyone who is shehi erva, and then the, the Brisa says something so beautiful because it really flows perfectly into our Mishnah. From here, the rabbis say, insert Mishnah number one of Meseches Yevamos. That's our Mishnah. This whole Mishnah, the Brisa that we just learned, is a background, is a perfect background to our Mishnah. It explains uh, in fair detail how each level of our Mishnah was explained. First, Achos Isha, then Sarah, then Sarah Sarah, and then we brought it back to all the other 14 ervas and Mikanam Ruchachamim, the language of our Mishnah. Now, the Gemara says that really there are other ervas. Yacholani Marbe Af Shesha Rayos. There actually is a case where there would be uh, another six cases of Arayos. However, they're not cases of Yibum because all six of these Arayos apply to both Ruvain and Shimon. Uh, I drew this up somewhere. Hold on. Nope. Okay, here you go. So there's a case here of Shesha Rayos. Sorry if it's a little distant. I don't know if everyone can see it. Uh, but the case of Shesha Rayos is where there's a man named Yaakov, and he has Ruvain and Shimon as children. Yaakov dies, and Rachel marries Yitzchak, and Yitzchak is married to Leah. Now, do we have a principle of Tzara by a woman like Rachel, who certainly Ruvain and Shimon cannot marry? It's Knaf Avi. You're not allowed to marry 
the stepmother, Rachel. Both Reuven and Shimon have the same prohibition to her. Now, if Reuven, can Reuven marry Leah, who is the tsara of Rachel? It's not a Yibum Shaila. The question is, do we have tsara even by other cases of Isser? We, there's no Yibum Shaila over here because we're not talking about brothers marrying. We're asking about tsara. Is tsara also found outside of the parameters of Yibum? So that's what the Gemara wants to know. Do we say that over here? Let's go back in the Gemara. We're about two-thirds of the way down. Yachalani marbe. Shani marbe. Maybe I can also include the case of Tzara. So the case of Afshesha Rayos, there are six women that are common to two brothers who they're not allowed to have any Yibum with at all. And they're Chamuros Me'elu Would we say that there is a Tzara to a regular case of Erva where there's no Yibum? So it says the Gemara Amr, so I'll tell you as follows. Ma'achos ishto, just like the case of Achos ishto, which was the Pasuk we saw above, miyuchedes, what's the uniqueness? Shehi erva, where if one were to be intimate with his sister in law, bezadon, they'd be chayv kares. And by accident, they'd be chayv achatas. The Fsharli nasela achim, and in theory, there could have been um, marriage from the brothers in such a case, in theory. And, and we don't allow for Yibum to take place. With those parameters, we'd say the same thing. The only time that we would say uh, that there is going to be a tsara is under certain circumstances. Only in a case where the onesh of the erva would have been intentionally with kares and accidentally would be a chatas. Only when there are those parameters. That's when tsaras is a tsura. Asura. However, in a non-Yibum case, Yatsa Shesh Arayos, there are the six common women to whom two brothers would be forbidden. They're Chamuros Me'ilu, Ho'el De'iyef Shardina Se'la'achim, the brothers cannot marry her. Tzaros Se'en Mutaros, She'en Tzara Elameach. The, the case of a tzara can only apply, the case of a tzara only applies when there's yibum, otherwise there's no such thing. So then the b'risa concludes, azhara shamanu, you've given us all of the halachic warnings. We know what we're allowed to do approximately and not allowed to do. Uh, we still have another 100 blot to figure out the rest, 118, but who's counting? So that's what we know about the azhara. But onesh minayin, what about the punishments? Do we know what the punishment is for, for this iser? So it says the Gemara, Amar Kra. The Gemara says that at the end of the Pasuk, that doesn't quote the Pasuk, the Gemara says that it's going to be kares. So we're talking about onesh kares. These are some serious halachos, and one should be quite careful if any of these halachos come up. And then the Gemara digs into a very uh, important diuk. Taima de kasav rachmana aleha. What is the reason why a father doesn't marry his daughter in a case of Yibum? So again, that's our classical case. That's the case on this printed sheet that I handed out yesterday. In the case we started with today, where Shimon's daughter is Chana, and Ruvain is married to Chana, and Ruvain dies, should Shimon marry his daughter? Taima, the only reason he doesn't was because the cause of Rachmana Aleha. Halav hachi, without that one word, says the Gemara, Hava Amina, Achos Isha that a person should marry even someone who's an erva to him. Why would we have assumed that? My Taima, De Amrinan, Asi Ase, Bidoche, Lo Saase. Gosh, unbelievable. It is so simple. Uh, let, let's talk Brismila. Today, I got a question from a pediatric urologist, random question. By the way, Rabbi, I'm not Jewish. I don't know a lot of halacha. Why are you allowed to do a bris on Shabbos? So I literally had just finished chazering the bottom of this page. I'm like, well, let me tell you. I'll tell you exactly why. Because when you have a confluence of both a positive and negative commandment, the positive always wins. It has to be in the same moment. The parents were on speakerphone and they're like, oh, so if the baby falls out on Shabbos, can you drive to the bris? <laughs> so I said, 
listen carefully. I said, I said, I said that the parents, you go, listen carefully. Remember the rule. The only time we can violate Shabbos for a bris is when the action of violations at the same moment of the mitzvah. But when I'm driving in a car before a bris, they are, they're not overlapping. They're not simultaneous. They're subsequent. So no, of course not. And then I threw in just for fun. Also, if the baby's going to be driven to the bris, we also don't, we also don't do the bris on Shabbos. That was just for fun because that's not a say do chelosa say that's just like not shy, but it sounded very similar so I just put it in. So, anyways, that's the whole principle. The Gemara says, think when you think in halachic terms, the pashtus should be that he should marry his daughter. That should be the pashtus. No different than trelas and sitzis. That's going to be the example of the Gemara because I say is do chelosa say. So simple, says the Gemara. Oh, hold on one second. When do we say the general rule of that's only true when it's a regular love? However, when you're talking about a father-daughter marriage, which is an iser karis under other circumstances, do we still say in such a category? Not so simple. So the Gemara says, the Sue and furthermore, yeah, the Sue and further, furthermore, Losasa Greda, just the regular case, forget our case of Karis just for the moment, the regular case of a Losase, of an Ase and a Losase, how do we know even that case? What are the Mari Mekomos that allow for a regular case of Ase, Doche Losase? Top of Dalad Amadalev, the Gemara says, very simple, the Pasuk says in Chomish, Losilbash Shatnez, and a little bit later it says, Gedilim Taaselach. You're not allowed to wear shotness, wool and linen. And then it says, go wear wool and linen. So because of the fact that these two psukim are smuchin, they're close to one another. Therefore, we can extract information from one part of the pasuk to another part of the pasuk. And even though the losil bashatness has nothing to do with tzitzis, because the Torah juxtaposed these two psukim, so therefore we know that I say is doche losa, I say the mitzvah say is greater than the losa, saying the Ramban writes, the reason why I say is doche losa, say is because I say is ahava and losa say is yira, and ava always trumps yira, very important Ramban, but not for now. Says the Gemara, wait a second. The Amar Rabbi Lazar, smuchin minat Torah minayin, who, who, who says that just because two psukim are next to one another, I've said plenty of sentences one after the other that no one should combine. So what, just because the Pasuk wrote them that way in Chumash, therefore you can make a drasha del raisa. It's a din del raisa. You, you're doing that bris on Shabbos. You're wearing shatnas. It's an isert in the Torah. Who told you that smuchim count? Who told you that there's a mechanism of drasha called smuchim? Because, and this is important to ask this question, this is from Tehillim, the Gemara doesn't deal with this, I'm just asking on my own. The Pasuk says, Things that are smuchim, they are forever, and they are honest, and they are straight. That's what the Gemara says, that's how we allow for smuchim. This requires some research, we don't have time, but how can you learn out a din de oraisa from a din de rabban? Nevertheless, the Amar of Sheishes, Amar of Elazar, Mishum Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria, Minayin liyavama shenafla lifnei muka shechin, she'en chos minosa, let's say that it comes to Yibum, the Yavama sees her new Yavam to be, it's her, it's her really her brother-in-law, and he's a muka shechin, the man's covered in boils head to toe. Very, very unappealing character. Not exactly the uh, picturesque, you know, the white gown down the aisle type of marriage, right? So says the Gemara, how do we know she ain't chos minosa, that we don't, we don't muzzle her, quote unquote, we don't force her to marry this person. How do we know? Because we have another example of smuchim. Shine emar, because the Torah says, lo sachsom shor bedisho, 
Wow, totally out of left field. We do not put a muzzle on the animals. The parsha and sefer dvarim. This is how we know that a yevama doesn't have to marry the brother-in-law if he's not such a good-looking guy. It's smuchim. It's a din d'oraisa. Says the Gemara, the Amar of Yosef, Afilu leman be'alma, and even according to the one who holds that in general we don't learn smuchim, you're not allowed to learn anything from one pasuk next to its juxtaposed partner. It doesn't matter when it comes to Sefer Dvarim. Uve Mishnah Torah Darish. Mishnah Torah is a reference to Sefer Dvarim because it's a Mishnah Torah. It repeats what, a lot of what happened in the previous parts of the Torah. Luchos, Rishonos, Luchos, Nios, Vuchula, a whole bunch of examples. So says the Gemara, even according to the, uh, to the opinion that says that we really don't hold of Smuchim, so we have to figure out how we learn our Gemara about the, uh, about the tzitzis because that, is, oh, that's, uh, that's also in Dvarim, actually. All of these are in Dvarim. So says the Gemara, we, even according to the one who says that we don't learn Smuchim in general, it doesn't apply to Sefer Dvarim. Everyone agrees you learn it in Sefer Dvarim. Says the Gemara, who are we talking about? Uh, right? In general, Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion that we do not rely on Smuchim. We don't look at juxtaposed Psukim to learn anything. However, even though he doesn't learn about that in general, he doesn't learn that way in general, Uve Mishnah Torah Darish. He does learn that way when it comes to Mishnah Torah, when it comes to Sefer Dvarim. How do we know the Rabbi Huda does not hold of smuchin in general? Because of the following brisa, the Tanya, third of the way down, Dalar Madal. The brisa writes, Ben Azai Omer, Neemar, Mechashefa, Losechaye, Ben Neemar, Koshochevin, Behema, Mosimas, Tupsukim that are next to one another. And says the Gemara in the name of Ben Azai, Samchu Inyanzet, these things are close to one another. Mashochevin, Behema, Beskila, one who violates the animal of being Shochevin in Behema, of bestiality, he is Chayev Skila, Af Machashefa, Beskila. So what does Rabbi Huda say? We know what we're expecting him to say, that he doesn't rely on smuchin. Says the Gemara, that's not where, where we learn the din of skila from. You're right, it's skila, but we don't learn it from, uh, from, from kol shochev and behema. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Huda, you, you just looked at the Pasuk next to you. You're like, oh, oh, that's also skila. So therefore this is skila. That's not how we learn it out. That's not correct. You're right about the din. But you learn it from the wrong place. Says Gemara Ella, Really, the types of, of necromancy, all these very, uh, you know, heebie-jeebie kind of things, the, of Ovi Doni. So those things are they're all included in sorcery. So then, why then did the Torah explicate those cases? Why were they brought out? To compare something to them. What do we see from Rabbi Huda? He didn't accept the fact that there was smuchim to learn out skila. He learned it from a totally different source. So we see that Be'alma, that in general, outside of Sefer Dvarim, the Rabbi Huda is of the opinion that there are no smuchim. How do we know that in, in Sefer Dvarim, he is going to hold of this, that he is going to hold of smuchim, that we can learn something from Tupsukim next to one another. It's not halfway down. No say Adam anusas avim mufutas aviv. It is permissible for a child to marry a woman who his father violated or who his father coerced to be with him. And as well, it's mutter for a father to be with a woman who was anusas beno, mufutas beno. If a son violated a woman, the, husband, the father is also allowed to marry that, that, that woman. What does Rabbi Huda say? No. Rabbi Huda oser be'anusas mufutas Rabbi Huda does not allow a son to marry a woman who his father violated. Why not? 
my time at Rabbi Huda. Why does Rabbi Huda allow for a son to marry a woman that his father violated, but not for a son to marry a woman who his father violated? Did I say it the right way? Why is it, let's just ask more simply, why does Rabbi Huda say that a son is not allowed to marry a woman that his father violated? Says the Gemara, because of smuch dichsib. We're 12 lines from the bottom, give or take. Lo yikach ish. We see over here that in one pasuk it says that a man is not allowed to marry his father's uh, his father's wife because he cannot be megalek knaf aviv, and by marrying a woman that his father violated, knaf shira aviv lo he violates that. How do you know that that's talking about an anusa? Who says that pasuk is talking about an anusa? We're not talking about violating anybody. That they were married. It says Aisha Saviv. So it says the Gemara because Mi'ilu Yodikra from the from a different pasuk that's right nearby. The tupsukim of, of Anusa, of the case of raping, of violating a woman, and the case of lo yikach ish isha, of a man marrying his stepmother. So then on those cases, that's samich, because there's smicha. We see that Rabbi Huda holds of smicha in Sefer Dvarm. Says the Gemara, and with this we're going to close. Birabanan, if that's true that there's smicha in these tupsukim, then why did the rabbis say that a son is allowed to marry a woman who a father violated? After all, it's megala kanafavi. And we just saw that everybody holds of smuchim in Sefer Dvarim. And if these two psukim are in fact next to one another, the pasuk of an anusa and the pasuk of not marrying a stepmother are next to each other, how can the Rabbanan possibly say that a son is allowed to marry a woman who the father violated? It's Megala Kanafavi, based on smuchim, exactly what we just said. So it says the Gemara, You're right. Had these two psukim been next to each other, Rabbi Huda would agree with you. But you didn't pay attention. There's another pasuk in the middle. Says the Gemara, Hashta de lo And this time we read the parentheses. lo yikach ish es aviv bentaim. That pasuk is bentaim in between. Therefore, we learn something different from these two. We learn b'shomeres yavam akasuv medaber. There we're talking about a shomeres yavam. We'll discuss this in a moment. And that what is that going to teach us? V'lav or alav b'shnei laven. That teaches us that if a child marries or tries to marry or is intimate with his father's yavama. Okay, you got to do the math here. So you have a child. So let's say uh, you have uh, you have Shimon and his father's name is Yaakov and Yaakov's brother had a wife and died. So Yaakov's brother, let's just say Yitzchak. So Yitzchak's wife is now subject to Yibum to Yaakov. So in such a case, if the son marries that new wife, the, the old the wife of Yitzchak, so then says the Gemara, there's two Isurim. Um, Isser number one is that he married his uh, father's wife. And Isser number two is he married the Shomeris Yavam, the woman who was saved to be the Yavama. We're going to stop here, but just to summarize what we've gotten up to so far, we asked a question on the bottom of this page. Hey, wait one second. Why don't we employ the rules of Asei Dochelosa, say to say that a father taka should marry a daughter? We know the word Aleha and the Pasuk stops us from doing that. And the Gemara, in a long winded answer, said that in regards to regular Asei Dochelosa, say we learned that from Smuchim. We'll pick up to, uh, on Shabbos from four lines from the bottom, and we will learn Daf Dalad Amid Beis and Daf Hay. Wishing you all a beautiful night.